Hey everybody, it's Daniel here. Welcome to another episode of Let's Get Lyrical with Carice and Daniel. Uh, this episode is based on the Lyrical live stream we did this past Friday. Uh, this episode's being released on Monday, January 30th. And on Friday, we had my dad, Dr. Gabor Mate, who's also my co-author, I guess I'm his co-author on the book, The Myth of Normal trauma, illness, and healing in a toxic culture. And as we're going to do with every single lyrical live stream, we pick a theme that is related to or, or you know, that the special guest knows something about. Uh, and in this case, trauma, illness, and healing was our theme. So we chose lyrics from songs that pertain to that. A couple of songs Gabor brought in himself, but many of them he had never heard before. So you're going to hear his uh, unvarnished reactions to a lot of these pop songs and uh, you know most of them really blew him away so it was fun now we didn't have room in this audio episode for every single one of the songs that we covered so there are three that are left out which you have to be a patreon member to get access to the full thing the full conversation was about almost two hours long this episode is going to be just over an hour so there's a lot missing from here that you can Go and not just listen to, but also watch the full thing on uh, a secret YouTube link uh, that is reserved for our Patreon subscribers. If you go to patreon.com slash let's get lyrical, sign up for only $5 a month, you will get full access to watching the replays of all of our live streams, starting with this one. But that's just one of the perks you get, and you can read all about it there. But every week there's uh, a video version you can watch, so you can read along with the lyrics, and you get more of the songs you can listen to, um, as opposed to the shorter cuts that we do here. You get uh, extra long episodes. You get, uh, what else, custom playlists, and a bunch else. So... We invite you cordially to head on over to patreon.com slash let's get lyrical and see what we offer and consider supporting us. It really helps the show be sustainable. We'd love to hire a producer so that the sound can be even higher quality and the production can be you know, even easier on the ear. Uh, so thanks for considering that. And to all of our Patreon subscribers, shout out to you. And with that said, we'll get on with the episode. Oh, and one other note, when it comes to the Beatles song that we played, I used a version from a cover band because on YouTube, uh, the Beatles tend to block videos uh, that include their recordings. They're one of these, you know, small alternative independent bands like the Eagles and Tina Turner and Jay-Z and Kanye West and things like that, you know, who really need, uh, they really need to maintain their copyright because uh, how else are they going to make money? All right. Enjoy the episode. Let's, 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 let's get lyrical. So lyrical, I can get so lyrical. This is lyric. He can lyric try to be and there he is. Hi there. Good morning, Dr. Matthew. Good morning, Daniel. You look familiar to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would take us a while, I think, to sort it out. I've met so many people in my life. In fact, you both do, actually. Carice, <laughs> meet Gabor again. You guys have met once. Yes, hi. Very briefly, unfortunately, but hello. Well, that's okay. I, I've watched you quite a bit, though. You didn't know that, but I, I, was, watching, I was watching you. It's a it's a weird idea, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. Usually, what while... burning kids at the stake and stuff. <laughs> That's right. While dad was yeah. pedaling, while dad was pedaling his little legs off, he he loves watching Game of Thrones while uh, on his exercise bike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Listen, I listened to you guys' uh, podcast on God, and I couldn't believe you didn't use John Lennon. Do you know that he did a song called God? I remember that after the fact. Yeah. Oops. There's yeah. a lot that there's a lot that we forgot. And, and he says, yeah. uh, he says something quite profound. He says, God is the concept by which we measure our pain. That's a lyric? That's his lyric. Oh. That's why wow. he starts the song. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the other lyricists pointed to things like that, but not, not nearly as directly. Yeah. 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 Well, but other, other than that glaring, unforgivable omission, <laughs> what did you think of the show? Well, I thought it was very deep. And uh, it's quite remarkable how many um, how many pop lyricists that you know 
you just think of them as sort of light or you don't think but but they're actually engaged with these deep concepts about existence and god and you know our relationship to whatever we think god is yeah totally and 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 i think that goes that's true across the board for a lot of themes including the ones we're going to be listening to today and one of the things i love about pop music is that there's there's so many spoonfuls of sugar but there's also so much medicine going down when you actually dig under the mm -hmm. surface of you know but it's produced and constructed to just be viscerally exciting rhythmically musically melodically the the charisma of the performers but many 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 pop stars and you know not just mainstream pop but also alternative pop yeah but even in the mainstream are uh, are digging into some pretty deep parts of humanity yeah yeah so um the theme today is trauma illness and healing you know we just chose three words at random out of the dictionary random. Uh, where did you come where did you come up with that I don't know. They're, they're sexy. <laughs> um, and if we have time, I'll play a, a couple about the toxic culture aspect, because we are talking about the themes, the main themes of the book you and I wrote together. Sure. Uh, the myth of normal trauma, illness and healing in a toxic culture. Uh, at some point, I'll go get the book so I can chauffeur it on the screen. Um, but why don't we jump right in? I, I, mean, I could ask you to say a few preliminary words, but I think it might be best to just get in get into everything we we talk about via the lyrics sure let's do let's do it yeah so you had a couple of ideas of songs dad do you want to start with with one of the ones that you had in mind well thank you since we started since we i mentioned john lennon why don't we start with one of his songs yeah and and you wouldn't think of this as a trauma song if you don't you know if you didn't know the background but it, it'll emerge Okay, great. Mm -hmm. This song yeah. is one of their earliest songs. I mean, of course, you often play another one of their song or one of one of Lennon's songs from after they broke up called Mother, which is yeah. very explicitly a song about childhood trauma. But this one, yeah. um, I Call Your Name, one of their earliest sort of bubblegum sounding songs uh, is kind of, yeah, you're going to explain yeah. to us why it is actually an expression of early trauma. I call your name, but you're not there. Was I to blame for being unfair? Oh, I can't sleep at night since you've been So talk to us about this, what sounds like just, you know, the boy sound loses, of someone, boy loses, boy loses girl. girl, yeah, yeah, and yeah. loses and loses sleep. Well, Goose, I'm just wondering, I, I don't know if you know the background to this song, but when you listen to it, what are you hearing? I'd just be curious. Um, I think it's, I mean, I, I honestly don't really know this song, so yeah. yes, boy girl but it could also be boy mother that's exactly what mother. it is that's exactly ah, yeah, what okay. it is john lennon's mother left him when he was uh, two or three years old and uh his his father deserted him when he was born his mother left him when he was two or three years old and it was brought up by an aunt and um and then the mother came back into his life some years later well she was there as kind of the mother was there kind of like an aunt and the aunt became the mother and then the mother came back into his life when he was a teenager, and then he she died in a car accident. So literally, wow. so so what happened with the song is that they were putting together one of their early albums, and they needed one more track. So he sits down overnight and he writes this song, and and he sings this mm -hmm. thing about just a boy loses his girl, usual stuff, but actually it's the experience of the infant when the mother's gone. I call your name and you're not there. And was I to blame for being unfair? The child who's traumatized always thinks it's their fault. Mm. If the mother leaves me, it, there's gotta be something wrong with me. It's my fault. And th that's the trauma imprint. Does I the child, can I ask you a question? Does the child need to have language before they can start to no, feel the, is, the emotional no, imprint of, uh, of it's my fault? No, and if no, not, this, where does that start physically? No, this is pre-verbal. The child just assumes on a very 
deep level that there's something wrong with them. The, 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 the image they develop themselves is somehow flawed and, and everything is mm -hmm. my fault. You know? And then, um, you know, um, I can't go on. I can't take it, you know. Well, an adult, you know, if a relationship breaks up, you know, is I can't go on. Sure, you can go on, you know, but an infant can't. But an infant can't. Yeah. And so this... I'm also curious. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And so later on, he writes a song, as Daniel mentioned, where he actually talks about, Mother, you left me, but I never left you. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, and at the end of that song called Mother, he screams, Mommy, come, Mommy, Mama, don't go, Daddy, come back. You know, Daddy, come home. But, but in this song, he's not aware of it consciously, but emotionally, that's what he's mm. channeling here. And if you actually listen to John Lennon's singing, there's always a kind of plaintive, charismatic, painful tone to it, which made him so powerful. So this, that shows mm. up in this song as well. What do you make of the fact that all throughout pop music and as a result, I think, pop culture, mama and even daddy yeah. have become shorthand for lover, girlfriend, fellow adult that I want? Does that does that predate the, the American popular music era? Well, yes, actually, uh, in Hungarian, when a mother... Mm, pets a baby or a young child should say and this is also a true in russian as well my little daddy my little father yeah i've seen that in yeah. Chekhov. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's true. Yeah. you know and so that this um transposition of of parent <laughs> to child uh happens a lot and and of course you know uh how many american songs are there about mama to confess when i see a woman that i I find very attractive. In my mind, I'll say mother, you know? Uh, which which only means my mother, right? You must, that, that's that's the only woman you, <laughs> no, don't, I, don't, don't mess with your son's mind here. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's non-specific. Non well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> rent a room, rent a room, <clears throat> get a room. Um, it's also wondering, just sorry, sorry before we go back to uh, yeah. your new song, I've always been very uh, interested in the relationship, especially when you just told me this story. I knew a little bit about, you know, the song Julia being about his mother. Um, but I also was wondering about his relationship to Yoko Ono, which, of course, is such a, you know, who, who, do, who are we to know what that relationship was really about? But it, that, that felt like such a, like such a symbiotic almost um, relationship. I just wondered... How you oh, link that well, to they, his they, childhood they, trauma? They, they put out an album early in their relationship, and the cover picture is Yoko Ono fully clothed and John Lennon totally naked, lying like a on fetus. Her. Yeah, like a fetus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and so that was a supreme. In fact, I think she called her mother, and and I think he called her mother, and and um, that was a very maternal type of relationship. At some point, Yoko Ono. Um, sets them up, sets uh, John Lennon up with their secretary, May Pang, to go have an affair together. She arranges for the affair. Mm. Wow. And uh, she was very maternal and somewhat controlling, you know, but and somebody, people blamed her, of course, but of course he he's the one. I mean, he's... he's, but, he's the but he's the one. jealous guy. Yeah. Yeah, jealous I mean, guy. Yeah, yeah, that's I another he song. Was... That he... Well, he wrote a yeah. song called "Jealous Guy." Yeah, that's right. So I feel like yes, she's she comes across controlling, but I think there's something on the other side as well where he doesn't let her go. That's the whole point. Yeah, he needed he needed a mother figure, and yeah, um, yeah. if she comes along, is that um, uh, so? It, you know, no, he, look, he was 39 when he died. And yeah. uh, he went through a lot of therapy and working through a lot of his trauma, but he was far from complete working through his trauma mm. by the time they, uh, by the time that he died. Hmm. Very tragic I mean, figure. are we ever? Well, 
Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> because I, I, I heard a, a podcast with you not long ago where someone asked you, like, are you there now? Or are you, did you make yeah. it? Or, and you said, yes, I made it or something. And it really brought tears to my eyes. And I was like, wow. And this sounds like a very recent, <laughs> recent thought. Like, it, you know. I don't think I ever would have implied that I was complete. You know, in fact, you know, I've often talked about this. I've, I don't mind, it's sort of a private joke, but I've said it so often, but I'll say it again. I've written my own epitaph. Mm. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the inscription on my gravestone is going to say, it was a lot more work than I had anticipated, you know. <sighs> and that's just, that's just it about life, you know. It just, mm. and, and it's a good thing, isn't it? Because if I stop, if I stop that process of growth, yeah, I, re I really become an old man, you know, mm. oss ossified. You know, is it so then the the ultimate drive to go is to to keep doing introspective work? I guess just to, to keep going. Absolutely, absolutely. And and speaking of lyrics. Bob Dylan's got a great line about I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. Which yeah. he wrote when he was 23. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, he, he, he's another person who's channeling stuff and he's wiser yeah. than his years. You 100%, know? He, yeah. And, and, and what does that mean? Well, it means that, what does it mean to be old? And, to be old, it, it means to be burdened down by the past. And, well, and, I'm going to... Uh, okay, so, so, so. go ahead. For once, let me finish the sentence. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so to, to grow old is, is to be burdened by the past and you get more and more, you know, bent. However, it's possible as you get older, chronologically, to let go of the burdens of the past and you become correspondingly younger. And in that sense, honest to God, I'm younger than when I was 10 years ago. You know, I don't swim as fast as I did 10 years ago. But I'm younger than I was 10 years ago in some significant ways. And so the, the phrase itself, growing older, you know, we think it means aging chronologically. No. Then why do we say growing older instead of shrinking older? You know, yeah. growing older means that you're actually growing. Yeah. Which is an attribute of youth. You know, so language is interesting that way. Yeah. I wonder about that. I wonder if the word old actually implies in itself burden. I think old also means venerable, experienced, carrying knowledge. There's a reason yeah. elder, elders were not expected to be youthful in healthy cultures. Elders were expected to be old and to hold their age not as a burden, but as an obligation and as a gift and as something they can transmit because it's the way of life, you know, and there's something in our culture that venerates youth above all and doesn't want, you know, and hates death and hates age. So we don't have elders. We have the elderly. So the minute you stop acting like a young person, you're useless. And I think that's really fatal to our spiritual health. So I would, I love your perspective about continuing to grow, but there's something about growing into being old rather than continually, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, 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 sure. so being able to, bear, being able to carry that weight, as Ringo said, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of mm -hmm. age. Uh, sure. That, 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 that's true. And, and uh, in this culture, it's very cultural, isn't it? You know, so mm -hmm. um, Simone de Beauvoir wrote a book about aging and, and, and she pointed out how, she wrote a book about old age, and, and uh, she pointed out that it's very culturally constructed, you know. So in some cultures, we speak about the elders, and that's very different, as you say, than talk about the elderly, you know. Yeah. Let's get back to our, let's get back to our topic, but that is, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a whole other, we can do a whole sure. other stream about, about youth and age. Let's take a look at other songs about what we could say, Trauma. Okay, let's go to something much more modern, to a song that's really kind of after my time. Song after by your Kelly. Time. You mean your time is over? Well, after my after my prime of being a kid listening to pop, like yeah, yeah I, I didn't, I wasn't noticing when this song came out. I wasn't listening to pop music, and I believe she was Kelly Clarkson was a. Um, this is even after my time. Yeah, well, you're only no, a year younger no, than I, me. I barely even know oh, her yeah, name. Sorry. 
I barely even know her name. Yeah. Me neither, to be she was uh, she was on one of these like America's Got Talent or yeah. Star Search or one of these shows. Maybe someone in the chat can tell us what show it was. I forget. Mm-hmm. But this song wish, is. We wish America Got Talent is actually. Well, I think there's talent in this. I really That's do. True. And she and she yeah, co-wrote this song. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. And just to just to set it up, you know, the definition of trauma that we use. Uh, in the book is not what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result. That's right. It's the one. Right? Well, if you, so if you one. look at, exactly. So if you look at the title of this song, it's because of you. And in okay. a sense, I think she's cataloging all the consequences of that trauma. <laughs> Didn't yeah. see that coming. Yeah. So you want to take back what you said about America not having talent? There's some talent in there. That's um, amazing that that's the number one hit, Daniel. Uh, back in back in back in the two thousands, I forget when, but it's less of a song than a whale, really. Um, yeah. Um. Now, of course, there is um, there's a kind of a victim mentality about it. Um, that I am this way because of you, and uh, well, let's hold. But hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. Maybe in the but, context, but, but, maybe but, maybe but, hold up, just hold up, hold up, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe hold that on. attitude wouldn't. Yeah, thanks. Maybe that attitude wouldn't. I just want to play the devil's advocate because I actually believe what I'm saying now. Maybe that attitude isn't going to get you all the way to healing, right? Yeah. But for some, for, for people who have never faced what happened to them That's and right. the effect it had on them, then it functionally is true to say because of not if you take you to mean the life I had with you, the trauma you carried, the experiences I had at your hands. I mean, we could be talking about an outright abusive person that I, I completely fully mm-hmm. su- endorse and support that statement of someone. They have to go through that. We have to be able to say it's not me. It happened out to me it's not and and it's because of what happened to me so you're not going to get the full nuance into a pop song so i i i'm gonna i'm gonna Mm -hmm. stick up for kelly here well um again i just began to say that there's there's a victim mentality about it um in that i am this way because of you and i'm kind of helpless in the face of it um there's not much sense that i have agency here that i can do something about it Exactly. Um, that I can transform. Mm-hmm. And that attitude itself is a trauma imprint, including the victim mentality is a trauma imprint. Mm-hmm. And as you say, that by itself is not going to get you through. What is interesting about it is that she's not talking about overt abuse here. Right. She's talking about a parent who's very needy, who leans on the child. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's a... Yeah. There's a, <coughs> there's a reversal of roles here yeah and uh the, the child has to take on the emotional pain of i assume the mother here although i don't know if she says that could be the father i suppose i'm assuming it's mother but i don't know i that. believe it was actually the father and and something to do with their divorce but i've heard it was the vet the dad but it could be either okay very good okay very good it could be the father just as just the same and um we actually called the British psychiatrist John Bowlby, in the myth of normal, uh, he says that the this um, reversal of roles between parent and child mm-hmm. is always a sign of pathology in the parent and almost invariably a cause of it in the child. Yeah. So this lyric mm. uh, very directly addresses that and how the parent's pain absorbed by the child utterly shapes and determines and limits the child's view mm-hmm. of himself or herself, of life itself, of mm-hmm. other people, the lack of trust in the world, the lack of trust mm-hmm. in others, the fears that she's carrying, um, 
the limitations that she has to stay within the rules. She cannot stray into a kind of genuine um, vitality because of the fear that she downloaded from the parent. It's a very powerful song as far as it goes, you know, and I suppose maybe even it's almost almost anthemic, isn't it? And, 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 Oh, very much. And, and, and as an anthem, it, well, an anthem is always in the service of a cause. And I suppose it's an anthem in the cause of liberation, although the process of liberation only goes so far. But as you suggested, Daniel, earlier, just the expression of it um, itself is a step forward, isn't it? I do think, I do think so. And I think these steps need to be taken um, almost in a whole foods kind of way. What I mean by that is when you're going to just own the pain just for as long as that step needs to happen. You don't try to cut it or dilute it with fake forgiveness or something like trying to get ahead of the game you, in, no. in the healing process. You've got to be, this is what I've found for myself. You have to be exactly where you are. And if you fully feel it and fully express because you were a victim as a child, but let me see literally. It, sorry, Chris, it, sorry. No, I'll, I'll just finish. Once you get through that, then you can move on to the other steps. Chris. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say that, uh, in a way, I think the stage before this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is also the child um, uh, defending the parents to the yes. to what to whatever extent, yeah. and not even yeah. seeing that the parents have any mistakes. So the the fact that she's already saying it's your fault, it's just yeah. that the next step is then, but it's my responsibility to deal with this pain, yeah. and and so in a way, I think. You know, she's already she's already seeing that it's not just it's not just self-inflicting. You know, it's not just self-hate and self-loathing. It's also, yeah. you know, in a way, a good step towards um, healing. Absolutely. Uh, just last night, uh, Daniel's mom Ray and I watched the the this film um, Goodwill Hunting, an old film that. Um, um, Matt Damon, Matt ben, Damon Affleck, and, uh, Robin Williams. ben Affleck, and Robin Williams, and, and, and Robin Williams. Mini Driver. Yeah, it's a wonderful film, and, and, and Robin yeah. Williams, as the therapist says to the Matt Damon character, who's a troubled young man, it's not your fault, and and this is the transformative moment. And he has to repeat it a yeah. few times before the Matt Damon character gets it. So this song is already saying it's not my fault. You know, that's, so that's right. a step forward. But I'll I just ask you as a question. There's an emotion kind of missing from the song that you think at some point will have to arise. What do you think I'm talking about? Grief. Well, um, okay. Well, fair enough. I'm also talking about anger. Well, anger. Yeah, I hear. I, I think. The, I, I think the song is furious. It, I hear it. it in, I hear it in the music. Do you? I hear it more plaintive. The tone is more plaintive than angry. Ooh, I don't think so. At least not in the arrangement of the instruments. I, I think when that okay. when those guitars come in, right. I, I think it's, I yeah. I mean, and this is the interesting interplay between, because you could do this song very, with an acoustic guitar in a, in a coffee shop yeah. very quietly, <laughs> and it would just be, it would still be pleading. But I, I hear, I see the, I feel the accusing finger and there's anger in that. There's an indignation. And I love the way it catalogs. I mean, it's really actually quite a great lyric. It's not that slick, but it's very complete in terms of cataloging the consequences. Because of you, I never stray too far from the sidewalk. That's a beautiful image. I learned to play on the safe side so I don't get hurt. Listen to all those S's, the alliterations. Because of you, this is such a complicated thought to put into the chorus of a song. I find it hard to trust not only me, but everyone around you. Because of you, I am afraid. So fear is being expressed, you know? And I just feel like when I listen to this song, I'm rooting for this person because I feel like they are exactly where they need to be right now. Now, you're right, if this is as far as it goes. But then, you know, I think, well, maybe this is song four on the album. And... uh yeah. I'm not, and, being, I'm not being critical of As a matter of fact, I yeah. have to confess, uh, by showing me this song, you're kind of impelling me or even forcing me to reevaluate re my whole dismissive attitude towards pop music. I mean, I had no idea <laughs> that I had no idea that this 
kind of stuff existed out there, you know? No, I, to be honest, I, when I hear this song on the radio, I, I've never listened to the lyrics, to be very honest with you. It's just a song that mm. I probably don't, I w- wouldn't even listen to. And now knowing mm. the lyrics, this has a completely different meaning. Yeah. I, I think I yeah. have a tendency to patronize and condescend to the younger generations. And now I'm a Gen Xer. So you got millennials yeah. under me and Gen Zers. And I just think, oh, they're just listening to silly stuff. But I'm always, I'm always wrong when I make that mm-hmm. generalization. There's so much depth. It just comes through in a different form. It's a different, you know, aesthetic. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Dad, I mean, I, I love, I love to hear that I'm challenging your view of pop music. I've, I've been trying to do this my whole life. I always loved bringing you <laughs> songs and and tried to get you to listen, listen. You know, let's connect. Yeah. Not just not not because you would sit me down and be like, listen to this Beethoven. I'd be like, listen to this Metallica. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's okay. Guilty. Guilty. No, not, not guilty. guilty. No. Guilty as charged. Okay? No, 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 not guilty at not all. My, it's not it's, my fault. I'm not blaming you at all. I I'm, I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy hey, you're here. Hey, I'm joking. I was riffing on the Robert Williams line. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> all right, where are we going to go next? It, oh, sorry to come back to that film, uh, Goodwill Hunting, that I saw recently as well. There's also that scene where he has a, a fight with his girlfriend, you know, yeah. where he basically says, but you, you cannot love me. You don't know what you're dealing with. And, yeah. and, and you can see the, that there's, that they cannot be together unless he deals with this stuff because she's saying all the right things, Yeah. but uh, it's a wall that she hits against. It's so, it's such a painful thing to watch in relationships. Yeah, I think. Yeah. He's totally caught up in his um, negative self image. Yeah, pretty yeah, sad. Absolutely. absolutely. So here's a song. Yeah, you know, you know what, so, sorry, you know what's remarkable? Yeah. Is that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote that film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how old could they have been when they wrote it? Were they in their 20s? They must have been. Didn't they win the Oscar yeah. for it? Their best original screenplay? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. astonishing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Damon is, a, I think he's quite an artist, actually. I've always liked yeah. him a lot. Our next yeah. song is another pop song that was on the radio when I was a kid. And I think yeah. I grew up and I think I grew up in the golden I and mean, I think Carissa and I grew up in the golden era for pop music, but I was growing up in North America, so I think I got a bit more access to some of this stuff. There were just incredible mm-hmm. songs on the radio at the time um, mm-hmm. about really specific things uh, done very simply, but uh, and, and with a lot of I mean it's very catchy, but this is by a woman, a woman named Suzanne Vega who was sort of oh, yeah. a New York City, um, somewhat avant-garde singer-songwriter. Yeah. And this was her big pop hit. It's called Luca. And um, Was she in the Luca, Andy Warhol uh, circles? Suzanne no. Vega, I mean, maybe at the very end of his life, but she would have been a lot younger than that. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this song came out in 88, 89. My name is Luca. I live on the second floor. Upstairs from you. Yes, I think you've seen me before. If you hear something late at night, some kind of trouble, some kind of fight, just don't ask me what it was. Just don't ask me what it was. Just don't ask me what it was. Pretty sad song as well. <laughs> yeah. And again, a big pop hit we used to listen to it on am radio you know it was all in the casey case countdown and so did you i mean you would have been 13 14 years old when you listened mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what did you make of it then i understood it completely did you oh yeah yeah look we were watching sitcoms at the time facts of life different strokes family ties that would all have every season some special episode about a social theme whether it was molestation in the family or alcoholism or you know mm-hmm. kids kids are worldly wise Kids know things, you know, and and in fact, sometimes these pop songs were the way ways I would learn about these things. But it wasn't. It would maybe broaden my mind a little bit, but it wouldn't blow my mind because it fit into the world that I knew. Mm-hmm. Not well, and I, it's not that I, I don't think I remember knowing any kids who were being abused. You know, it's not like I yeah. I just knew I just sort of knew about this world that that happens to kids sometimes. Yeah, well, it's very explicit, isn't it? And and. What comes across, of course, is the child just closing in and 
just not telling anybody about it and pretending that it's okay. Nothing's going on. I walked yeah. into a door, you know, that, um, I mean, imagine how alone it is to be inside that world. Mm-hmm. Not, only, not only does this stuff happen, but also you have to make an effort to keep anybody from finding out. Mm-hmm. What a prison. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that line. Yes, I think I'm okay. I walked into the door again. If you ask, that's what I'll say. And it's not your business anyway. This yeah. kid has learned mm-hmm. how to survive, not just to yeah. not just to cope with and numb out from the actual abuse, mm-hmm. but yeah. to protect himself from the sort of invasive, yeah. ineffective yeah. sympathy that's always betrayed him anyway of strangers who have never been able to save him from it. And at this point, it's just easier to do what you're saying and just go inside. Yeah. And it's a very spare lyric. So to get all of that across in this pop song form, again, one of the nice things about lyrics is it's so compressed. If this was a poem, it could be pages long or whatever. But sorry, notice again the theme. Uh, it's, it's almost like the Kurt Cobain lyric. I guess I'd like to be alone. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. 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 Anything for you, Chris? No, I can't add, add anything. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Dad, can, can you, as I look up the next song, can you say anything about, because I've often seen you work with people when they talk about abuse they might have suffered as a kid, and there's always that layer of abuse, and then there's this second layer of not being able to tell anyone, and what well, actually, that's all about, and what and what that actually, does. Actually, the not being able to tell anybody is the first layer, so that, gotcha. um, so that um, when abuse happens, and then people go into therapy, they often focus on the abuse that happened, you know, the sexual abuse, the emotional abuse, um, physical, um, or the bullying that they experienced. And they think that's the traumatic event. And they get stuck talking about it for years. Mm. And the reason they get stuck is because that wasn't the original trauma. Because when you ask people, and I've done this thousands of times, how long were you sexually abused? Three years, two months, all my childhood. Then you ask, who did you talk to about it? And the answer is nobody. And that's the original trauma. That's the original yeah. traumatic event. Because the, the, the abuser, the bully in the schoolyard, or the abusive uncle, or the neighbor, or the teenage babysitter, they always know with like laser-like certainty, who can be abused and who can't. And that's not because the child in any way invites or wants or deserves what happens. It's simply they radiate the non-protection. And that non-protection, lack of boundary, is a function of the fact that they lost contact with the parents. And as a result, they lost contact with their own um, capacity to defend. And so that... Some people say, do I have a sign on my forehead saying, abuse me? Yeah, you do. And mm. it's not your fault. It really is not your fault. But had the contact with the parents. Because think of a, first, a one-day-old baby. Is there any one-day-old child that doesn't know how to ask for help? When they are in trouble, when they're uncomfortable, when they're hungry, when they're wet, when they're, you know, lonely. They scream it out. So when the environment gives you the message that it's not available for you, then you lack the protection. And that's what the abuser can pick up on. And how much more complicated is it when it's actually the parent who you would tell about abuse who's doing the abusing? Well, then there's always another parent. That's true. That's true, but there's always another parent that you're not well, telling. But what if both parents beat the shit out of their kids? It happens. Well, it it, it comes even worse, but usually it's not yeah. like that. Usually, like very often what you hear is, say, the father is sexually abusing a child and the mother just, quote unquote, doesn't know anything about it. And the child dare not talk to the mother about it. And of course, the mother's got no eyes in her head because she herself was traumatized as a child and she's totally shut down. Her gut feelings are not there. Sure. Well, look, not, not, not to split hairs, but took look at Daryl Hammond's case, right? Which he talked about in Cracked yeah. Up. Did, did yeah. have a, was it a single mother? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. in that case, there is there is nobody else. So your entire world in that case, for someone like that, and these this happens for kids, your entire world is both the caretaker and the abuser. And that I mean, yeah. that level of that level of inescapability is bound to cause some kind of fracture in the mind. Of course. On, on the it, on the on the level of sanity. Of course. And then he ends up with all these diagnoses and all these medications and, and addicted and self cutting and all that kind of stuff. So there's this book um, by a British uh, cartoonist, an artist called Charlie McKesey. And the, boy, the, boy is, the book is called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Mm -hmm. The animated version is sold millions of copies internationally. And it's about these four friends, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. And amongst the four, the horse is the wisest one of all. And the horse is asked at one point, um, What's the most courageous thing you've ever said? And the horse says, help. Hmm. Yeah. It's just so difficult to ask for help. And, mm -hmm. and of course, that's a trauma response because the newborn knows how to ask for help. All right. So this was a song that both of you chose, so we got to do it. Okay. And it's interesting that you uh. both chose this version of it. Although, Dad, you suggested we could also do the original. But I, I think, why not do Johnny? Yeah, because that and, goes straight to the heart. <laughs> it's just it, yeah, it does. I'm not even sure if I've ever heard the Trent Reznor version, the Nine Inch Nails version. But uh, so we're, we're now where I think we're starting to shade into the illness part of our conversation because this, you know, where I think we're talking somewhat about addiction here. So let's give a listen to this song. This is "Hurt" by Johnny Cash, originally by Nine Inch Nails. <clears throat> I might cry again. <laughs> oh, okay. And you could have it all. Wow, but this is this is incredible! Wow, I'm very moved to see this. Yeah. Well, the beginning, I, mean, I, hurt my, I hurt myself today to see if, if I could feel. Is that what the first lyric says? To see if I still feel. Yeah. 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 So Daryl Hammond, the one you mentioned, yeah, he talked about self-cutting. For those who don't know, he was a he was the Saturday Night Live actor who was on the show for like I don't know something like 17 years. He played Bill Clinton. He played Sean Connery. He was a real kind of. Uh, chameleon-like and reliable member of the troupe, and he was extremely troubled and, and self-harming and, and carrying abused. a lot of pain and addicted. Abused. And abused yeah. And um, when I asked him, what does the self-cutting do for him? He says, it gave me a chaos I could handle or a crisis I could handle as opposed to the crisis in my head that I couldn't handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, the Nine Inch Nails song, which Johnny Cash embodied so beautifully here, I hurt myself today to see if I could feel. And, and, and what happens in trauma is you literally get sh shut away. You can literally, literally get shut down from your feelings or disconnected from your feelings because it's so painful to feel. Mm -hmm. You become almost numbed. Mm -hmm. And then the cutting at least you can still feel when you have the pain. As to the sources of the pain, well, then you just lays it out. It's it's a song full of um, loss, you know? Yeah. Because everybody goes away in the end. As human beings, we know that. I mean, we die. And the people that we know are going to die. Either we die first or they do. But somebody's going to die first. Somebody's going to go away. It's the child who's singing. Everybody yeah. goes away. Everybody goes away mm -hmm. in the end. It's the child who, who can't handle the loss. And uh, then he says, I, I try to kill it all, but I remember everything. So that yeah. the pain, the pain, it just doesn't go, you know? Yeah. And it's all about, it's all, it's all about a kind of resigned um, lament. Yeah. About suffering. Yeah. And the, and the impossibility of escaping it. So it's, it's, Boy, is that a trauma song? Because <laughs> the reality, the reality is that all three of us here on this podcast, we've had our traumas. We also none of us believe that healing is impossible. No. So this dejected view. I used to. 
Did you? I, I, well, not not. I wouldn't have said it out loud, but yeah. there were days, there were months when I lived where my emotional and cognitive world was given by that point of view, yeah. whether or not I, mm. you know, it, and beliefs don't live in our, you know, what I say I believe. They live in our outlooks. They live in our our framework for seeing the world and the way I felt, the way I saw myself, all the evidence that I saw confirmed that some things about me are irreparable and that those are the, the things that define who I am. I no longer see myself that way, mm. you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, but yeah. Yeah. And I've been, I've been to the same thing. Um, I just I don't know. understand. I just don't understand how you did growing up in such a perfect family with such a great father. I don't, I don't get it. Well, it's a flaw. Of mine. <laughs> I came out wrong, um, and it's yeah. not genetic. It's not genetic. The genes are perfect. Case, it is your fault. There you go. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. No, the genes are perfect. I did. I, I must have fucked up along the way. All right, let's look at a song that I mean. We're going to do a few addiction songs now, uh, since you know so much about that. And this is a um, it's a song by a rapper, but it, it doesn't actually feel like a rap song. It's it feels more like a piece of spoken word poetry mm -hmm. over a, a, a over sort of a hip hop beat. And this song and the next one I want to play really get into specifically what the drug or what the behavior of choice, in this case, it's a drug, but we could extrapolate it, does for the addict. And he, sure. it does a great job of portraying this addict character and his whole attitude, including a sort of get away from me sure. um, feeling. All right, so I'm gonna share this tab instead. This is by LP, whose real name is Jamie Moline who okay. is a Brooklyn-born guy, or maybe born in Manhattan, but moved to Brooklyn. And he was an underground rapper for many years, didn't have much mainstream success. And then he joined this, he formed a rap duo with an Atlanta rapper and they formed Run the Jewels. And now they're hugely successful in his 40s. He's about my age, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. And he also makes the beats. So he writes the music, produces the tracks, and he, he does the, the vocals. So I'll play it and I've got the lyrics here to play as well. I've been waiting for you all week. Don't you know this is a rotten time to not not be me? I've been waiting for an hour now. What the fuck is up? I got memories to lose, man. I am in a rush. Don't make me suffer this dimension straight. When we can bend face, let space pixelate. So I could talk so about what I love about it, but uh, any reactions? So this is a drug song, is it? This is under the influence of drugs. This is a guy waiting for his dealer, right? I've been waiting for you all week. Don't you know this is a rotten time to not not be me? That double negative <laughs> there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to, I can't not be me, and it sucks to not be able to not be me. Uh, I've, got be memories, to, I've got memories to lose. Wow. I, I am in a rush, right? Mm -hmm. I've been and, and what's great is I've been waiting for you all week, and then I've been waiting for an hour now. What the fuck is up? A week, an hour, it doesn't matter. The impatience. Mm -hmm. To get out yeah. of his skin. I've got memories to lose, man. I'm in a rush. Don't make me suffer this dimension straight. Don't make me suffer this reality without, you know, sober. When we could, when we can bend face, let space pixelate. He's like, if there's the option to like melt this reality into something else, why wouldn't I take that? $60 for a newborn you. Pay no attention to these savages. They don't own truth. It's like when you when you get used to that alternate reality, all of a sudden the straight world starts to feel hostile and mm. an alien. Pay no attention to this man behind the glassy smirk. I think he's talking about himself. I tried it your way. That advice you gave to me was dirt. 25 and I can buy my way off planet Nerf, off planet Nerf. So Nerf balls are these soft, you know, these sort of uh, toy, toy, where the softest hearts are tossed around on AstroTurf. Holy shit, I love that. He's talking about the planet where, you know, the sensitive get crushed. Uh, and Charlie, what a great line. Charlie Brown's adult voice trumpets fade. You know what he's referring to, Dad? Um, Charlie Brown's adult, adult voice trumpets. But Charlie Brown is the Peanuts character. Exactly. But... Um... I don't know. No, I, I you can't. Do you ever watch? Do you ever watch the cartoon of Peanuts of Charlie Brown? No, I, I used to read the comic, but I haven't watched the, the cartoon. No. So in the cartoon, whenever any adult is speaking, like the teacher or parents, yeah, you don't hear the voices. You just hear these sort of trumpet sounds, like <laughs> it's just this. Okay. It's just this nonsense. Yeah. So he's saying, you know, that's his. Re that's the sound of the, again the straight world. 
Charlie Brown's adult voice, Trump, adult voice trumpets fade, and it's ridiculous to say oblivion's insane, and it's insanity to think I'd recognize my name. I no longer speak the language. I have chosen change. He's already yes. fading into it, and yeah. he wants, you know. But what I love also is that the chorus, it's like a fresh start to a new world, and I'd do anything to go home. So he's already ambivalent about it. He's there. Mm. He's got the release. He's got the escape, but it's not actually taking him where he wants to go, and he's homesick. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, what I also find very um sad is and then you know, not that I am so enlightened, but but it you can see that it, I'm so curious what happens if he would sit with that if he if the drugs don't doesn't come. The the real mm -hmm. healing is of course when he doesn't take it, when he goes and sits with it, and then it will dissolve and not dissolve because it's painful, but of course once you face it, that's the only way to, to heal, I think. I mean, not yeah. to say that that's easy, but of course, that's also what's so sad about it. That there's such necessity to, to, you know, how we all sort of try to avoid because we're so pain avoiding. But if we actually are confronted with the pain, that's where the, where the, the, step, the next step is, right? Absolutely. Well, right. I mean, I noticed that about the, the Johnny Cash lyric. He says, you know, something about the pain. I feel into the pain. It's the only thing that's real. But what he's actually talking about is suffering. If you would actually just sit with the pain, <clears throat> then something might move. Dad, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to agree with what Carissa just said. And, and um, of course, this person is in the addicted phase where yeah. he, he wants release um desperate for it wants to lose his memories he's got such you know it's like what we say in the book it's you know don't ask why the addiction but why the pain and uh he wants to lose that pain he's in a rush um and it's interesting too how we use the word rush right like you get a rush from a drug yeah yeah you know mm. um and this dimension, in other words, life as I've experienced it, is don't make me suffer it. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't get released, as you point out. Like, even when he's already imagined himself there, he already wants to go home. Yeah. So he's just, um, there's just no rest for him. Yeah. Whether he's in the pixelated world or of the drug or the suffering dimension of his real life, he's, he's stuck. He's trapped. And what is it about trauma that makes us unable to sit with our experiences and makes it makes us need to chase something that even if we never get it, we keep chasing it? Well, again, it goes back to the experience of the child, <clears throat> because for the child, the pain is just unbearable. Mm -hmm. And when the child is alone, no, <clears throat> a child can have grief. <clears throat> because a pet dies or a grandfather dies or because a neighborhood kid doesn't want to play with him. A check and a rage. And if there's an adult who's self-regulated, who can hold the child through those emotions, then the child learns that, okay, I can experience loss, I can experience grief, I can experience rage, and I can pass through it and come to the other side. But if there's no adult there to hold the child, the child never develops the confidence that it can handle this. So it becomes just unbearable. So that's what it is about trauma, is that <clears throat> trauma by definition implies being alone with the pain. And that for the young child is unbearable. For a mature adult, as 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 Karish suggests, we can be with our pain and sit with it, if but we still need support, don't we? You know, mm. for you the child, for the child, we need to be held. For the child, it's inconceivable. And ideally, at the end of <clears throat> healthy development, or at the end of healthy um, uh, growth and 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 our therapeutic experiences, we can be with our pain. It's not that we won't have pain anymore. It's not that we won't have grief anymore. Of course, we will. Mm. Life brings that. But ideally, we can hold it and be with it. Yeah, and if we can, and also, we can ask for help. And it has a ripple effect because, again, if I can may refer to the family constellations where I've seen, you know, 
uh, terminally ill people yeah. uh, trying to get away, literally trying to get away from the person who represents death. And mm. the moments that they actually are face to face and they're actually holding each other, mm. everything relaxes. And especially the people around them, the family members that are so tense because they cannot watch this, this yeah. tension of the person, you know, walking away from the pain and from the, uh, it's beautiful to see that when you it actually is. see it. <clears throat> it is. <clears throat> I used to work for seven years in palliative care, working with dying people. And, uh, the transformations that one would experience when people or witness when people became at peace with their life experience, but also with the impending death, it was actually very beautiful. Hmm. You, you would think that palliative care would be a terrible place to work. It was a beautiful place to work. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So this finally is by, I think, one of the leading poet laureate of our era. In fact, I think he was given some kind of, he was given a Pulitzer, the rapper Kendrick Lamar. And this mm -hmm. is from his latest album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. It's hardly a rap song, just like the other one. It's called Mother I Sober. It features Beth Gibbons from Portishead. Is that oh, yeah. where she's from? And it really just says everything. And it's, it's longish, but it's worth every single minute. So here we go. I'm sensitive, I feel everything, I feel everybody One man, standing on two words, heal everybody Transformation, then reciprocation, karma must return Heal myself, secrets that I hide, buried in these words Death threats, ego must die, but I let it purge Pacify, broken pieces of me, it was all a blur Mother cried, put their hands on her, it was family ties I heard it all, I should have grabbed a gun But I was only five, I still feel it, weighing on my heart, my First tough decision in the shadows, clinging to my soul as my only critic. Where's my faith? Told you I was Christian, but just not today. I transformed, praying to the trees. God is taking shape. Wow, that's very powerful. It's overwhelming. I mean, I it, it makes you want to scream almost. It, it's it's I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. No. Yeah. And the, the way he just. As you say, it, it, it talks and then the crescendo. And um, it's like a life in, in a few stanzas. And uh, it's, it, it's almost beyond requiring or even welcoming commentary because it is its own commentary, you know? And to think that that's out there. And, it, and he's, he's, he's one of the most beloved... Yeah. Hip hop artist. He's he's the most beloved hip hop artist of his generation. This is he's a mainstream. I mean, his his albums are awaited like the rain. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just. You know what? I, I my words fail me at this point. Which yeah. For me to say that is a lot, but. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll just say a couple of things and just to try to try and put something into words about it. It really earns its transformation by the end. It's not trying to come out with some feel-good hokum about, you know, oh, he, no, no. again, just like I said about the Kelly Clarkson song, which doesn't get all the way to this, but it's listing and inventorying everything and all the effects. And he's talking about himself and it jumps from the personal and the present to the historical in his childhood. And yeah. then his his ancestors are visiting him, but then he's back and, and the sort of multi-dimensional kaleidoscopic nature of trauma it's inter it's inside my one life it's multi-generational it's all okay. of it and he's 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 tying it all together and he's sitting in it he talks about how i did it sober but then he actually catches himself he says you know what i did have an addiction sex and the yeah. way i used women that's right you know and and his, and his wife leaves him and his wife leaves him yeah, yeah. and uh as the mother of the child and i think that's her voice that we hear at the end um uh, you know, so they, they may now be raising their child, you know, co-parenting. I, I actually don't know the story, but, you know, he, 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 yeah, he says this is transformation. And I, and then at the end, the only time he starts raising his voice is when he starts, there's two things that happen when he raises his voice. Number one, he's saying to the world before you judge me and my community. Yeah. Understand that you will never understand this context. Yeah. I see what's happening underneath 
the, the tattoos and the scars and the chains of my fellow rappers, every single one of them was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. To come out and say that in a rap song That's in 2023, right. if, you, if you had told me 30 years ago that there would be a rap song where that was said, I wouldn't have believed you. And then finally, after he said that, after he's told put the world in its place, now he says, so I set free my, you know, myself from the pain that I thought I caused. I set free from my mother's pain that she thought made her shameful. And the very last setting free is I set free the abusers. This is transformation. Today is still active, so I set free myself from all the guilt that I thought I made. So I set free my mother, all the hurt that she titled shame. So I set free my cousin, chaotic, for my mother's pain. I hope Hakeem made you proud, cause you ain't die in vain. So I set free the power of Whitney, may she heal us all. So I set free our children, make a karma, keep them with God. So I set free the hearts filled with hatred, keep our bodies sacred as I set but he has to get there he has to earn it by going through every single one of those steps faithfully that's right and it takes us seven minutes of us sitting here and bearing witness to it and listening to it so it, it healing which is the final word in our you know in our triumvirate of this show today um it it's a lot more work than we anticipated like you're yeah, at the it's so so courageous as well, I find, you know, yeah. what, he, what he says. And it's yeah. such hard work that we're witnessing. Yeah, and this, song, hard work. and this song comes at the end of a very, very torturous album. I mean, it's amazing, but it's, it's full of all kinds of incredible stuff. So hmm. anyway, I wanted to make sure you, you got to hear that one, Dad. And, and, uh, oh, thank you. It's a, it's doesn't a real, that say it all? It's, it's a real gift to me for, to see that. It's a real eye-opener, a heart-opener, and... Um, as has been this whole conversation. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it was amazing. Thank you so much uh, for making making the time. And uh, who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the old dog, but uh, but uh, you know we got ourselves a quality one here. I feel like we could do this so much longer. Like there's so much there. There's so much there. Yep. Um, well, maybe we'll have him back for part two. There are like eight songs i didn't get to i wanted to play him master of puppets by metallica the real thing by faith no more uh institutionalized by suicidal tendencies he uh fitter happier by by radiohead which is about a toxic culture i think um i wanted to play a song by pink a, a song by pearl jam a song by bjork all is full of love which is a very healing song yeah, but yeah. we can go on forever because you know there's so much of course built on on that so much beauty so that's also what what i thought was so beautiful about this episode that there's even though it's painful there's also much so much beauty if you transform the pain into art yep and that's why we're here i guess you know that's what we're trying to do with our pain at least make yeah. something good out of it that's right and you know i guess i kind of snapped at him early in the in the stream when he was like well, you know, Kelly Clarkson is, is kind of the victim thing. And I shouldn't, I should have just let him talk, but I really did. <clears throat> but he got there by the end. I, I really, I really, I think there's such dignity and beauty in every pop song that tries to put these things into words, you know, and into music. Yeah. And, and, and that um, even, even if we're in a place where we feel like we, we see ourselves as the, vic as the victim, for me, the only way I've ever healed is by just honoring where I'm at so that I can f hopefully one day, inshallah, get to the place where Kendrick is. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's quite far, man. I mean, I don't know he's what I was doing far. now, but. And wow. he's only, he's only 32 years old or something like that. Yeah. It's a very impressive. Well, so folks, thank you for listening. We're going to be doing this every month with a different special guest. We have an amazing guest in February. I'm not going to announce it quite yet, but stay tuned for that. If you haven't, please, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this YouTube channel by clicking the link below. Please go to our, whatever podcast platform you like to listen to and subscribe to the let's get lyrical with Carice and Daniel show. We have a new episode. Tell your coming friends. Out. Tell your, tell your, that reminds me of a lyric from my favorite eighties uh, Canadian uh, uh, I think it was Canadian. Like it was a commercial for um, these sort of canned noodles and tomato sauce called zoodles, which were shaped like animals. And the bridge of the song said, so tell all your friends, tell the whole bunch. And the little kid goes, 
I just ate a hippopotamus for lunch. Zoodles are animal noodles. Come on, tell all your friends. Tell the whole bunch. I just had a hippopotamus for lunch. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, yeah, just stay tuned. And for those who are interested in being able to go back and watch the entire uh, stream of this, all two hours, you can become Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash let's get lyrical. I'll give you, this is the link there down there. Uh, it's also underneath the video here. And it'll also get you all kinds of other perks like extended episodes every week, video versions of every episode, custom playlists, early access to episodes and all that. So five bucks a month. I think it's worth it. And a growing number of people seem to too. So, but we are having a blast. We've been at this for a month now. We've had over a thousand views on YouTube. Did you know that, Carice? I didn't know that. No, that's good. Yeah, over a thousand views. But I think we've got a, like 150 subscribers on YouTube about a thousand downloads on the podcast app. So, so we're, nice. we're, we're, we're getting, we're make, we're getting lyrical. We're getting lyrical with it. Doodles <laughs> are animal noodles. Come on, tell all your friends. Tell the whole bunch. I just had a hippopotamus for lunch. Say, have you ever gone hunting with the bowl and spoon? Get hunting with living doodles. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be turning this into a shorter episode we'll be putting out clips uh join our patreon if you want to watch the whole thing again and thank you so much for getting lyrical with us it's you're the only reason we do it it's lots of fun mm. we love you thank you and carice Bye. i'll see you next time feel better see you next time thanks Bye.